0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by PhotographyCourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com 365 to claim your discount. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to somebody who I've been a fan of for a very long time. Her name is Rona Keller, and she is an incredibly talented photographer who takes beautiful pictures of herself, landscapes, and other people in every season. We talk about her love for nature, how she takes sharp film photos, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Rona. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Rona. I'm from Stuttgart in the south of Germany. And I'm a photographer, obviously, (laughs) who is very influenced by the seasons, I'd say. Um, I shoot both film and digital, and I would probably describe my style as diary-like and documentary. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always, above all, photographed for myself, but eventually stumbled into doing photography professionally as well. Uh, Mostly focusing on weddings, although I have recently started diving into family home stories as well.
0: Mm, That's very
1: interesting. And what has that experience been like for you? It's actually brought me closer again to people, especially like during COVID, (laughs) because weddings are kind of off at the moment. Well, in the winter anyway, but now that the spring has rolled around, um, all the weddings are being postponed again. And so this is something I can still do and, like, visit people in their homes and, yeah, feel a bit closer to them, actually. <laughs> mm, that's very interesting.
0: I've actually I've heard a little bit about that, but I don't really know what the process is like. So people invite you to their homes and you basically just take family photos of them indoors?
1: or Yes, yeah, so I don't know, like, how other people do it. I just figure out my own, own like, way of doing it. Mm -hmm. and yeah i just visit them at home and then document like what they're up to together basically like you can do anything like make coffee in the kitchen or um morning rituals or routines or stuff like that it's basically about what you want to have photographed and that's what i do Mm -hmm. and especially with children you can never plan anything so usually i just go there and then see what happens (laughs) and Mm -hmm. documentation is a big part of my work so I never really stage anything Uh, same for wedding uh, documentations it's just all very candid
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that must be very fun and I imagine that you're good at making people feel comfortable in front of your camera if you can take documentary pictures in their homes I hope so I'm sure. And and how do you usually make them feel comfortable, though? Do you have a specific way you do that or
1: is it just spontaneous? This is actually something I struggled with for a long time because I never knew you had to make people comfortable. I always thought like, well, if they're like they always are, we'll get good pictures. But as it comes, most people aren't very happy (laughs) to be in front of the camera which I understand, and they're like nervous and don't know what to do. So what I do is I try to tell them, remember bits and pieces of like your relationship or your like your family uh, routines and just do that. Like it's a thing you do to kiss your kid on the head or something, just implement that in the shoot so that we get the photos that look like you and feel like you. Uh, And that's helped a lot to just bring people back to their natural being instead of like telling them what to do exactly. And it's worked quite well for me. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a good technique. Makes sense because then you encourage them to be lost in the moment and be less aware of the camera. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I mean, I've known you for such a long time. So I want to emphasize how happy I am to have you on this podcast because Honestly, I think you're one of the very first photographers whose work I found online. So it's an honor to have you here.
1: I feel the same way. <laughs> what camera equipment do you use? So I use a Sony a7 II with a 35 millimeter 2.8, a 55 2.0, and a 28 to 75 2.8. Wow, that's a lot of numbers. <laughs> And for my film photos, I usually use a Canon AE-1 with a mm 50mm one4 and the Pentax SPO Mini. But since my Canon's currently broken, I've been using a Nikon FG with a mm 50mm one8 But I really want to go back to the Canon. It's like the first film camera I ever used, and I'm just biased. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then I have two instant film cameras as well, which is the Polaroid SX seventy and an Instax white.
0: Mm, yeah, I have an Instax as well. I mean, it's just so satisfying to get a picture immediately, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. So you, as you mentioned, are into film and digital photography. Which one did you start with first?
1: I started out with digital mm-hmm. in two thousand eight. Well, I took the first like proper photos. I still kind of like today in 2009, but I started experimenting in 2008 and that's when I also got, got my first SLR. And then I got into film photography at the beginning of 2010. So not that much later, but yeah, I started out with digital.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know, since you specialize in both, when do you decide to use film and when do you decide to use
1: digital on any given shoot? Oh, That's a difficult question. (laughs) So when I started out with film photography, it was very easy for me because whenever I was like out with my friends or just doing something, I would shoot film. And this was something I think I did because I wasn't as good at editing back then. So whenever I took photos that weren't self-portraits, which I was used to, I just had no idea how to edit the photos so that they would look and feel the way I wanted them to. And film just had this look to it already. That was exactly what I was looking for. So that's why I chose to only use my film camera, like outside of self-portrait shoots or other shoots. And also it's just way quicker, like especially when I'm with my friends or family. I like to not check the photos I take afterwards so that, that we can just go on spending our time together. But I'm not very able to do that with digital photos because I always want to check and make sure that I'm satisfied and that they're good and I just can't like let it go. Mm. (laughs) So film is the the better option there. But nowadays it's a bit more difficult since I've gotten better at editing hopefully (laughs) and I like the photos I take with my digital camera as well. It's a mix really like I take a lot of photos with both cameras, which is something I actually don't like because it kind of takes away the spontaneity of it. But if I take a film photo and I like it, I'm like, Oh, I want to take this in digital to post it like on Instagram and like to just share it immediately and not like five years later. I <laughs> do it with my film photos, but I try to step back from that and like have specific cameras for specific moments again but it's Mm -hmm. been hard not to like overshoot everything for me.
0: (laughs) I know yeah I like what you said about spending time with family and not obsessing over pictures by using film I think that's a really genius idea because yeah you do need to be present with your friends and family even when you take photos of them you don't want to be lost in your
1: camera (laughs) so yeah definitely yeah uh, it takes me so long to take like a digital photo I like just because I always check and I'm like, well, that corner could be different and this could be different and this could be different. And I'm just so much better with film. Just take the photo and leave it. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you consider yourself a perfectionist as a photographer? Yes, sadly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can relate to that feeling. Yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> In my opinion, your work is the definition of cozy. All of your photos have this beautiful, moody feeling in them. It seems like you've had this style for a long time now. When did you realize that this was the kind of look you wanted to create in your photographs?
1: Thank you so much for that lovely description of my photos. (laughs) Um, I can't quite recall when exactly that happened, but I think it must have been around the time I realized how connected my work was to the changing of the seasons. And also when I noticed what exactly it was that drew me to photography the most, which is capturing like little parts of who I am and of my view on the world and preserving moments for the heart, basically hoping to evoke the same feeling when I look back on them later. But I can't tell you like a year (laughs) when that happened. Like, as I said, I started out in 2008, more like 2009. And my work was all over the place back then, which is fine. Like, it's it's good to experiment in the beginning. But I think it wasn't until a few years later that I could really say, this is what I want to do. This is my style. This is what I want my photos to look like.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have any tips for beginners or even advanced photographers who either want to develop a style or improve their style somehow? Because you, as you said, you it took you some time in it naturally happened for you. So I'm curious to know if you have any tips for people like that. Mm-hmm. So it's,
1: it's pretty different for beginners and like advanced photographers, I think, because mm. as a beginner, like at first, you need to find the way of taking photos you enjoy, like especially maybe film, maybe it's digital. And then you just ask yourself, do you want it to be conceptual, documentary, experimental, etc. It just all starts with how you capture something and of course as an advanced photographer you hopefully already know all of that but as a beginner you'll learn a lot about what you might want to create by figuring out just what you like to do and maybe even what you like about other people's work mm-hmm. but I like as much as inspiration can help you get somewhere please just go out and have fun like try out a lot bring your camera everywhere take a lot of photos figure out what you enjoy creating i think that's the best way and i think it's what we all did in the beginning just to find our way of taking photos
0: mm-hmm. yeah i like that i remember when i first started as well i mean i struggled a lot with having a style but i did so many different things it's ridiculous <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i know oh and then also like when it comes to an own style that makes all of your photos work well together of course the editing is what brings it together for me like the way of taking photos is important but in order to have a distinct look you need to edit your photos in a way that makes them look similar like you don't need to use the same editing for every photo but it helps to just have a style throughout your like gallery and your work and again to find that just experiment a lot but there's also a lot of resources out there for like lightroom presets and on your phone apps like visco and youtube tutorials and it also helps to just look through other people's work and figure out what it is that you like but for both those processes like finding out what how you want to photograph and how your editing should look like i find it really important not to copy other people's work like get inspired definitely but try to find your own style in all of that
0: yeah i agree with you that's very good advice and speaking of other people's work. What is your personal experience with that? I mean, if you need inspiration, look at other people's work, or are you afraid of doing that, or do you not prefer to or do you prefer to just you know be in your own mind and be creative and come up with ideas on your own?
1: A bit of both. I really like to look at other people's work, especially those I've been following for a few years and also seeing how they change in their work, and mostly for editing, it just helps a lot to like have something in front of your eyes with like color wise and tone wise um, where you can say this is what I want my work to look like. So I save a lot of photos like on my phone and on Pinterest and stuff where I just like the colors uh, so I can get inspired in my own editing. With shooting concepts, I do get inspired as well by other people's work, but I find it like more true to myself not to look too much at other people's work to find what I want to photograph because I just want to put myself into my photos and I can't my- find myself in other people's work. So that's when I usually try to step back and retreat a bit and find like back to what it is that I want to put in my work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I also feel like if I look at other people's photos too much, then I will just automatically start copying their concepts without meaning to. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, that happens quite quickly. And it's okay, like, don't worry about it. But I think you always, like, not you, but <laughs> everyone always just needs to find back to themselves eventually. Yeah, yeah,
0: you just need to ground yourself and spend quality time with yourself and your thoughts, too, to find those creative. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You keep most of your portrait photos pretty anonymous by posing with, with your back to the camera. That adds an interesting element of relatability to your work, which can be difficult to create in faceless portraits. What advice would
1: you give to someone who wants to take beautiful faceless portraits like yours? So faceless portraits can seem pretty anonymous. The important thing for me is that they shouldn't feel that way. So what I like to do is I basically focus on little things one can notice and identify with. For example, if you portray a person from behind, which I do a lot, (laughs) the focus of the image might lie on the hair, for example, that is worn in a bun or on the clothes that feel cozy and warm to me, or on a backpack I like that makes me want to go on adventures. And that way, the anonymity of a person being photographed from behind or a photo only showing a hand or the legs gives space to see yourself as a viewer in the image instead of seeing a specific person being portrayed. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, it's not like I don't want to see people's faces. And (laughs) I also take photos myself that are more meant to document who someone is, especially in my professional work, sometimes also in my personal work. But when I see photos and I don't know anything about the people who were photographed in them, maybe not even about the photographer, I often find myself being drawn to the images that don't show their faces because that way I can just spot little bits and pieces. I feel connected to myself Mm -hmm. and I really like the thought that other people can maybe find a little piece of
0: themselves in my work too. Our 365 days of photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course, presented in bite-sized lessons, teaches you step by step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com/365. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that approach very much. As you said, you can really connect to a viewer if you don't show your face. Because as yeah. you said, there are details there, atmospheres, and they can sort of. I mean, it's not like watching a film because then you see the actors' faces, but it's sort of like absorbing an atmosphere without really seeing the person's face. I don't know. I think it's a magical thing, and you do that very well. Thank you. <laughs> Your film photos always look very sharp and colorful. Do you have any tips for aspiring film photographers who want to avoid blurry photos as much as possible? <laughs>
1: The number one key, I think, is practicing manual focusing, which you're kind of forced to do when you're shooting film, except for when you use those little point and shoot cameras, they Mm -hmm. do all the work for you. But like the big ones, you just need to focus on your own. And you can also practice this with your digital camera. But like, why not just put a film in your camera and see what happens and (laughs) try it out? And what also helps me is to practice estimating the distance to your subject like if you focus on the subject and then you can read it out on the lens after focusing and then just try to remember okay this was one meter this was two meters this was five meters and then in moments like when you can't rely on your eyes for example when it's too dark or you're focusing on something in the distance you'll still be able to get the focus right this is something I do a lot actually, Hmm. and sometimes underexposing photos can help to get a bit more contrast and mostly avoid motion blur when it's too dark and the light meter wants to use a longer shutter speed, like definitely learn to work with your light meter, but also learn to ignore it from time to time, especially in situations when you should listen to your experience and your gut more than a technical device. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, when it's already dark, I shoot all of my photos at an eighth of a second, even though my camera wants me to use like one or two seconds. But an eighth is the longest shutter speed I can hold with my hands in order to get a sharp photo. And in the end, there is a very high chance that you'll still be able to get out more of the image than the light meter suggests in the moment. So it just helps to set like, or to know the shut speed you can still hold and then just use that when it's dark and just ignore everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good tip, uh ignore everything. You know. Yeah. Okay. And also film forgives a lot. Like in the end, there is no way around. You just need to practice. And I really just suggest to put a film in your camera and go at it and just do that. And it's how I started out in the first place. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. and <laughs> The photos turned out just fine in the end. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And honestly,
0: I've seen so many gorgeous film photos that are a little bit out of focus or completely out of focus that look amazing. And yes. just, yeah, sometimes you might surprise yourself with the blurry results that you get. So
1: Yeah,
0: that like, definitely works too. Yeah, Yeah. A big part of your work revolves around capturing memories in an ever-changing environment. I admire your ability to find creative potential in any place, no matter how small. But I'm curious to know where you go or what you do when you run out
1: of inspiration. Is there a specific ritual that helps you recharge your artistic side? It really helps that I love and find comfort in every season and basically any kind of weather. Like there are very, very little moments in my life when I catch myself thinking that I would prefer a different kind of weather and then just makes it easier to work with the conditions I find myself in because I just genuinely enjoy them. And a very big part of my work and general view on life basically is focusing on the little things, which is a very good way to find joy in everyday moments. And joy is usually what sparks inspiration and creativity. But of course, there are still times when I feel un- uninspired as well. And I don't even expect to be inspired all of the time, especially nowadays when I'm not involved in projects in my personal work where I have to take photos at a specific time, like the 100 days projects I did many years ago, or some people did 365 projects, which is even like more committing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Today, oftentimes, I can just let it go and wait for the inspiration to come back. Sometimes I go a few days without taking photos, and that's perfectly fine. But when I actively search for inspiration, it helps to look through my older work, to look back on what I've done and experienced, and like mostly to get the feeling back that I have when I get this rush of excitement about something, which is usually the best kind of inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. and. If I really, really want to create something, although I'm not feeling inspired, I sometimes go back to what we all did back in the Flickr days, just go outside, set up my camera and see what happens without a plan, without something in mind. And a lot of us would call this self-portrait therapy. And that's really what it feels like when you've been feeling low on inspiration and maybe even energy for a while and haven't created anything that really feels like you. Yeah, I really liked it.
0: And I especially like what you said about being present and enjoying the little things in life, because I've been thinking about that a lot. Where if you focus on just the small things in your life that you already have, and don't constantly seek to have other things in your life, in your life that aren't present here with you in the moment, then you will definitely feel more inspired and just more content with with where you are, and that is so important to to yeah, us, especially definitely. as entrepreneurs, I believe, yeah.
1: And also, I'm not always able to do that. Like, actually, a, a clearer problem for me, rather than running out of inspiration, is feeling overwhelmed, which doesn't even leave room to find inspiration again, because my head is filled with all the things that are just too much at that moment. And what always helps there, or like for anything, to calm down and recharge is going outside, going to the forest or wherever I feel comfortable To just get out and see something new, try not to stress about creating and work and to-dos and just find back to my connection with nature and thus hopefully also with myself. Because for me, that's usually what lies at the bottom of feeling inspired and lighthearted, that I just feel close to myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, even if you feel uninspired or overwhelmed with inspiration, in any case, it does help to reconnect with who you really are and to be present as much as possible so i like your answer thank you <laughs> you've been taking photographs for many years now as you mentioned what achievements are you most proud of
1: i think that would be taking photos mostly for myself mm-hmm. um when i started out that was on deviant art it was a lot about uploading what people liked and that definitely helped me grow in my work back then but I think a more sustainable way of creative work is that at the heart of it lies what it means to you. And I think I've gotten quite good at disconnecting how I feel about something I create from how people react to it. Mm-hmm. And I love when, when others find something to launch in my work, when they feel inspired by it. But my motivation to create it in the first place is very intrinsic. And I hope to be able to always remember that and keep that up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the best form of inspiration, intrinsic motivation, inspiration, all of that, because if you do it from the heart, then you will probably be motivated to do that your whole life, as opposed to looking for external validation.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, and in relation to this question, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world?
1: It might seem small. (laughs) But it's to stay true to myself, I Mm -hmm. think, to never let the feeling that others are achieving so much more to me, eh, not to me, than me, win, to always find back to the why of what I do. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one thing. But if it comes to like my work and my creative outlet, I would like to focus more on bigger projects. Like I tend to let my ideas sit in the back of my head or in random notebooks because I find it hard to just take some time and focus on bringing them to life, especially when I'm busy doing my usual work, which gives me a lot of comfort. But as the saying goes, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to quote the author here, but sadly, I don't know who originally said this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been wanting to for example, to create a place for my film memories that is not just an Instagram feed for years. I used to have a film diary on Tumblr where I put together film photos and words I had written about a specific time in my life in kind of little blog posts, which gave me so much joy. But when I ran out of scans back then and life kind of got in the way, I just stopped doing that and never picked it up again. But I can't really let it go. There's something about it I still feel the need to do. And I think I have to work out what that is. And maybe even a photography book, which I've been thinking about for years. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because I would describe myself as someone who is particularly drawn to haptic analog mediums. Yet most of the work I create is digital. Even my film photos end up being scans I share online. <laughs> And sometimes the amount of photos I've created that I have on my laptop and on various sites on the internet can feel quite overwhelming. And I think putting a selection together in one place helps to just grasp what I've created and what means the most to me in my own work. So I think creating something I can just hold in my hands as a finished product would be lovely. Yeah, it would be amazing to see a book that you made. That would be incredible. <laughs> I hope I'll make myself sit down and do that at some point. <laughs> you should. You should absolutely do that. Because if you keep thinking about it, and I'm referring
0: to the blog posts on Tumblr as well, then you should definitely pursue it somehow. Yeah, I need to find a way to do that. You're right. <laughs> absolutely. And those are really beautiful answers to the last question. I like especially what you said about staying true to yourself. Because I don't think it's a small thing. I think it's the most important, yeah. really. because. Yeah. <laughs> Because if you stay true to yourself, then you will be less inclined to compare yourself to other people, especially other photographers. And that's also very important. So that's a, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful
1: answer. Thank you for sharing that. I think it just like it feels very big for me, of course, but like this great big photography world just feels obviously a lot bigger than myself. Yeah. And I tend to lose myself while comparing myself to others, tend to lose myself in this big world and when I try to come back to like what it is that really matters to me it's just always to make myself happy and to be happy with my own work and that's yeah that's why I said that like of course it's not small but it feels Mm -hmm. small in the in the grand scheme of the photography world or the world in general (laughs) because it's just about myself (laughs) yeah I understand what you mean yeah 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 Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people can relate to the feeling of comparing themselves to others and then you feel like you're not doing enough as a photographer or you're doing too much or you're in the wrong industry, you know. But then at the end of the day, of course, what matters most is you staying true to yourself. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, Rona, thank you for such an an incredible conversation. I'm so glad that I finally got to meet you virtually and talk to you about your passions. And thank you for sharing so many incredible stories with me. Thank you. This was my first time hearing Rona's voice and getting to know more about her story as a photographer. And I had so much fun and I hope you did too. I really believe that we can take beautiful photographs in every season, even in the winter, if some of us aren't fans of winter and that there's so much potential in the little things in life and in being present in the moment. See you next week. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world it's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.